When Anastasia was in grade nine, she noticed a difference between boys and girls, at least when it comes to socializing. Boys are so much easier to make friends with than girls. All you gotta do is smile, maybe flirt a little, but always compliment them and laugh at their jokes. (laughs) And with girls, you actually have to talk about something intelligent. That's Anastasia reading from her grade nine blog. I'm Dan Meisner, and this? This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing? Wow, it is so nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Calgary, we have a short story about the California Raisins, some letters to Michael Jackson, passive-aggressive poetry, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and by looking back at it, this stuff can also help us understand who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. A lot of what we hear at Grown Ups Who Thinks They Wrote As Kids is about firsts. And that's not surprising, because growing up is one long series of firsts. When Ines was 16, she had her first boyfriend. And at our Calgary show, Ines shared three journal entries that chronicle their relationship. A quick heads up, Ines uses some cuss words in her journal entries. She also acknowledges the existence of teenage sexuality. There's your heads up. Here's Ines. Alan, I can't stop thinking about him. And that doesn't bother me, but my schoolwork is slipping. I guess that's because Lisa found out he might ask me to go steady. I say might because he's so shy that he just might not. I'm trying to be patient, but it's driving me insane. If he does, it'll be weird saying yes, because I've always said no to guys who ask me out. This will be the first time I say yes. And my first boyfriend, if he gets off his tail and asks me. (laughs) June 8th. Well, he did ask me out. Well, kind of. He got Randy to ask me out for him (laughs) while he was in the room. We've been going out for a week since June 1st, 11.45 p.m. (laughs) After that, I didn't see or speak to him until Wednesday. And I phoned him last night. And whenever we're alone, it's awkward and silent. We have the weirdest relationship. We haven't even held hands yet. He, Randy, and Lisa were here tonight. We had a great time. We wrestled and threw things at each other, but we still never held hands. I think God has put me with Alan as a test. Alan's gentle, kind, and sweet, and funny, and cute. I think God is trying to teach me that I can and will be loved and how to have a relationship. Sometimes I get scared when I think of kissing Alan, and other times I get excited when I think about holding hands with him. 
I'm very impatient, but maybe it's good that we go slow. In fact, I know it is for both of us. A voice inside my head keeps on saying that I'm going to marry him, but that's ridiculous. We hardly even talk to each other. I'm depressed now. They say you become depressed after having a really good time. It's true. It's true. I had a good time tonight. I'm sure Alan did. And if we at least held hands, the tension between us would be gone. I wish sometimes that I could read his mind to find out how he feels about me. I'm not sure if he does like me. Randy and Lisa says he does. Randy says he's always talking about me. I wish I could be invisible so I can be there and hear what he's saying. <laughs> Last night, I wish that I didn't have human sexual instinct. <laughs> then I wouldn't be going through this. But when I see Alan, I was really glad. Well, but while I was sitting there, and he was sitting next to me, I just wanted to smack him. <laughs> but now I think he's wonderful. I now realize that men are just as hard to figure out as women. So Alan and I broke up, <laughs> and then we got back together. Okay. March 20th, the next year. The very first time, Alan and I were really intimate. He put my hand down his pants. <laughs> It only upset my mind a little, but then I got... <laughs> but then I got used to it, and now I actually enjoy it. <laughs> After a while, we got more serious, and he went down my pants. He shoved his finger in my body, and I was in extreme pain. I had never felt that sensation before, and it really hurt. I almost told him to stop, but realized it wouldn't last forever. He, he did stop, but the pain in my vagina slash uterus area lasted for two days. After that, after that, I also had a strange sensation in my lower abdomen for a week after. Well, tonight he shoved his finger in my body, and it felt great. <laughs> I didn't want him to stop. It felt so good. Maybe that's because I've been exercising. <laughs> These exercises are supposed to increase your sexual drive and improve your sex life. He was about to put his tongue in my vagina, but I stopped him. That would have driven me crazy. He was also wearing sweats tonight and kept on rubbing his erection up against my vagina. <laughs> we, we both still had clothes on. And I almost ripped off his clothes. I wanted him so bad to make love to me. I swear if we would have had all night and no one else was home, he would have had me. It just felt so good, but I want to keep my virginity for marriage. But it's hard not to let him have his way. And sometimes I feel so awkward because I don't know what to do. I'm sure if I just let my instincts take over, which I have done a few times before, I could drive him just as crazy as he drives me. The man I have sex with will be the man I marry. I just hope God will help me along with this and forgive my wanton ways. <laughs> because I know what I'm doing is wrong, but it feels so good. I don't 
I don't slash can't stop it. And then a week later, fuck Alan. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck Alan. I hope that God puts a curse on his dick and it <laughs> and it shrivels up and falls off in that crazy ass hoe that he fucked. <laughs> fuck Alan. I'm so glad I did not sleep with him. And he is cursed. God will curse him for eternity. Thank you. After the show, Ines phoned in to reflect on those journal entries. Um, I do recognize a little bit of myself in those journal entries, particularly being torn between the right thing to do and the um, and what I want to do or what I feel I want to do. And if I had a chance to go back and talk to my younger self and talk to her about relationships and sexuality, I would tell her that what she's feeling is completely normal and it's okay to have those feelings and she shouldn't be feeling guilty. However, she's a very strong young woman and she knows what's right for herself and she's making good choices for herself in the long run. When Marianne was in grade three, she kept a school journal. And in that journal, Marianne wrote letters to various people, including a letter to a potato chip company, a letter to some future pets, and some letters addressed to the pop star Michael Jackson. Now, what you need to know here is that in grade three, Marianne was not a big fan of Michael Jackson. In fact, she was terrified of Michael Jackson. She was deeply afraid of Michael Jackson and wrote him these letters, not in an attempt to be cruel, but out of deep fear. Please welcome Marianne to our stage. January 7th, 1998. To Michael Jackson, the bad singer, wherever he lives. Dear Michael Jackson, you had plastic surgery so many times that you look like a lady. The big dent in your nose does not look very fashionable. I don't think you'll ever sing again or get a real nose. With this plastic surgery, you'll look even more like a lady. Sincerely, Marianne. January 22nd, 1998. Dear potato chip maker person, I like potato chips. I think you should make a potato chip lottery. The person who wins gets a year's supply of potato chips, and tickets should be free. (laughs) Sincerely, Marianne. February 9th, 1998. My birthday was on the 100 day, and on the weekend, I went to Marissa's birthday. We went swimming. When I got home from my friend's house on Saturday, I watched the Olympics and found out that Austria is a country. (laughs) And in the word search, my friend found it and I said that it wasn't a country. (laughs) February 27th. If I could fly, I would like it because I would go faster. But if I flew too high, I would not be able to breathe. 
Flying would be fun, but I can't fly, so that's too bad. <laughs> March 9th, 1998. On the weekend, we had our friends over for dinner. On the 25th, my mom pays me $30 because she owes me. <laughs> and on the 30th, I get my braces tightened. In April, these things are happening. Mom's birthday, dad's birthday, Easter. Other than that, nothing is happening. <laughs> This weekend, I'm watching a bunch of movies because I rented five. My dad is in Toronto, and we always rent movies when he's gone, I guess because it's boring without him. <laughs> I don't really know what else I'm doing. I had a great spring break. For Easter, I got a bunch of chocolates, a book, two Beanie Babies, and a deck of cards. I got a bank account and bought a Beanie Baby with my own money. I think I'll like studying animal life cycles. <laughs> Dear mealworms that I am going to get. No offense, but worms aren't my favorite. I'm going to name you Wiggly and Squiggly. I hope you guys don't die when I take you home. I'll be good to you, but watch out for my cats. <laughs> Sincerely, Marianne. Dear Michael Jackson, it's me again. You probably got ugly since I last wrote. I wish someone would plastic surgery your mouth up. If I had a picture of you, I would draw funny things on it. <laughs> Sincerely, Marianne. Thank you. Marianne, again, not written out of a desire to be unkind, but out of deep fear. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. When I was a kid in the 1980s, the California Raisins were very, very popular. Now, if you don't know the California Raisins, they were a music group made up of singing, dancing, anthropomorphized claymation raisins. <laughs> they were on TV. There were California Raisins toys at McDonald's. They had a hit song on the radio. And for a little while, the California Raisins were a really big deal. Our next reader... Wade also grew up in peak California raisin mania. When he was in maybe grade one or maybe grade two, Wade wrote a short story all about the California raisins. He wrote it down, and then on a cassette tape, he narrated his story about the California raisins. Somehow his uncle ended up with this tape 
his uncle held on to the audio recording, the audiobook version of the California Raisin story <laughs> for 30 years. <laughs> and tonight, Wade brought the cassette tape, which he has transcribed. Please welcome Wade to the Grown Up Street Things Save Artist Kids stage. So Jeff, Jeff got the tape. Uh, he's my uncle, and you'll, you'll see how he got the tape. The California Raisins. The California Raisins. By Wade. By Wade. Dedicated. Dedicated to my buddy Jeff. My buddy Jeff. Once the California Raisins were in Hawaii. Once the California Raisins were in Hawaii. They had a concert in five days. They had a concert in five days. Soon five days passed. <laughs> They were very happy. They were very happy. They might win a trophy, but they were a bit scared because they were playing against a band called the Thunderbolts. A band called the Thunderbolts. They were having fun. They were having fun. Soon the concert was almost over. Soon the concert was almost over. They wanted them to sing again, but this time they only wanted the singer to sing. Only wanted the singer to sing. They finally won the trophy, and they went all the way back to California, and they, and they put it on their shelf. On their shelf. The end. The end. <laughs> Thank you. I love any story that has a strong moral lesson. Poetry is always popular at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids, and our next reader shared a very particular type of poem. When Jessica was 14, her teacher would give the class an image, a visual prompt, and then everybody would have to write a poem responding to that image. At our Calgary show, we heard two of Jessica's visual response poems— and then we're going to hear a third poem where Jessica says she was feeling bitter about the teacher and these assignments, so she wrote a poem about the teacher and the assignments. Please welcome Jessica to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote As Kids stage. Okay, the first one is called Cow's Rear End and Some People on Bikes. This cow is quite large, and the picture was taken at a very disturbing angle. <laughs> really, it was. Actually, I think this is not a cow, but it's a bull instead, because I said so. <laughs> there are some men on bikes, and they're bicycling away very, very quickly. I think the cow slash bull is running after them. I also see one man yelling, run for your lives! But only I can see that, because you can't, really. <laughs> there are some nice hills in the background. I think the cow lives on one of those hills. I hope this cow slash bull catches those pesky bikers, the nerve of them and their bikes. <laughs> and then we have glass of water. <laughs> this is a glass of clear water. Just look at the water in the glass that is beautiful. Wouldn't you like to drink this water? Wouldn't you? You can't. <laughs> this water is not real. If you drank this water, you would be eating paper. And some glue and unknown chemicals, which frankly is a bad thing. 
a very bad thing. So I'm very sorry that you cannot drink this water without eating paper, which is disgusting, and glue, and unknown chemicals, but that's life. Life is like a glass of water that's on paper and isn't drinkable. <laughs> because it's on paper with some glue, I think some ink, possibly disturbing bacteria, and unknown chemicals. So like I said before, life is like a glass of water. Um, my teacher was onto my passive aggression, and then both of those poems were on her door for the rest of the school year. <laughs> so then I wrote, stupid teacher, <laughs> standing in the middle of the room, thinking she knows everything. <laughs> Ew, look at me, I'm a teacher. Listen to me. Well, Miss Teacher Girl, how about no? <laughs> Jessica, she says to me, no talking. I am not talking, Miss Doherty. I am, in fact, laughing. <laughs> I get a stern look. Ooh, big teacher thinks a stern look will shut me up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Both poems are ballads, she explains. That's nice. Do I care? I didn't think so. Now she's handing out papers like she's God or something. Man, I'm always getting in trouble for talking. I even get in trouble for being quiet. Quiet! How unfair is that? It's pretty unfair if you ask me. Make up your mind already, Mrs. I think I know everything. Do you want me to be quiet or loud? Stupid teacher. Thank you. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you did not hand the last one in. Is that correct? <laughs> At Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, we hear lots of different types of writing. There are common formats, like diary entries, and then there are less common formats, like screenplays. And every once in a while, somebody brings a format we have never heard before. Like our next reader, Nicolette, who shared a piece of writing she did for grade four music class. The assignment was to put together a music-themed newspaper that would include articles, puzzles, and all of the usual newspaper stuff. The articles that she included in her newspaper were themed around popular artists, but she didn't necessarily have a lot of knowledge about those particular artists. Please welcome Nicolette to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote As Kids stage. So this is the Daily Opus, published December 14th, 2005. The first headline, Tim Burton retires from filmmaking. Big time movie producer Tim Burton retires from filmmaking to pursue a career in songwriting for Hilary Duff. <laughs> After filming more than 25 movies, he's just going to quit. When asked about this choice, he replied, I've been writing songs forever, although after I began filmmaking, I did not think I would ever have the chance to actually pursue it as a career. Now is my chance. <laughs> Hilary Duff is thrilled to do the songs wrote by Tim Burton, so just wait until her new album comes out. <laughs> Avril Lavigne hits rock bottom. <laughs> Avril Lavigne, the punk princess, has hit rock bottom with her new albums. 
Lately, Avril has had a severe case of artist block and could not think of songs for her new album, her producer explains, but she still tried to work hard. With the combination of both artist block and severe pessimism, Avril came up with only noise. The October 29th release of her new album shocked many fans. Landfills all over the world are now filled with the new album. (laughs) Maybe next time Avril will learn. Now the traffic. 23 piano pile up on John Laurie Boulevard. (laughs) On Sunday, December 11th at 5.37 p.m., a gruesome spectacle occurred. While driving on the icy roads, a piano delivery truck overturned onto the road, dispelling 22 electric pianos and an Elton John piano. (laughs) It is because of this incident that many parents and music teachers are in mourning while kids that were supposed to play the pianos for lessons rejoiced. Police are tying the area off to investigate the cause of the incident and workers clean up the wood splinters and broken keys. Meanwhile, music lovers everywhere congregate in front of the scene to protest how unsafe the public roads are and that they should be cleared after a snowfall. (laughs) City officials say the mess will be resolved by Thursday. And finally, Shania Twain hospitalized in freak circus incident. Shania Twain, famous singer, was hospitalized last weekend because of a freak circus incident. She taking a leisurely walk along a desolate road outside of Edmonton, Alberta, listening to her latest CD on her Walkman. (laughs) Suddenly, a traveling circus car lost control and hit her. With minor injuries and a broken Walkman, Shania Twain will not be performing for a while. The lesson, Walkmans are dangerous to your health. Thank you. Nicolette, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it really makes me reflect on those good old days when you could reliably sit back and read the traffic section of your local newspaper. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Leacock Theater at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta, and was produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. If you want to know about upcoming live events, the best thing you can do is join our email newsletter. Just visit grownups.fm and click newsletter. That way you'll be the first to know when we're coming to your town. That is grownups.fm, then click newsletter, or even easier, use the link in the show notes on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. I didn't have human sexual instinct. <laughs>